And David Locke, who's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, his interview each and every week brought to you by our good friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our good friend David Locke. What's happening, David? I have a significant problem, and I think I need your help with it. Oh, all right. Uh, your help, or we're helping you for a change, David. Shoot. I believe that the um, that we are live at the store again tomorrow. Absolutely. So I'm trying to figure this out. This is this is the challenge. Are you ready? So we, I do the Quinn Snyder coaches show from home now, and then I drive down to, and then I go to the arena to call the game. But I need to get one of those pizzas on the way <laughs> how do i get that done hmm. let me think well if you drove like gordon uh you might be all right you know if you're going 105 the whole time well, that, well, i thought gordon was old enough. and drove i thought gordon was old and drove like that oh nothing could be further from the truth is his, his middle name is andretti oh yeah i was trying to figure it out so 10 to 4 tomorrow and we tip it two. I can't go afterwards. No. Anyway, this no. is a challenge. That is I might a make challenge. a run. I'm going to make a run for it, though. I think I'm going to. I got to. I got to do a little timing and math and see. But I'm. I'm hoping that I can make a little run for it, and have Scott have a pizza waiting for me when I swing by tomorrow. That might be the key to have it ready to roll when you get there and just hit the ground running. That might be the They way should have done it at the Gateway store instead of at the 6-year South store. It would have been a lot easier. I would have which, made one, which, uh, which pizza are you going to pick, David? Well, that's a good question. I really liked the pepperoni and jalapeno one that they had the other day, so I might just do that. That was good with the little honey drizzled on top. I mean, that was Yeah, that was I thought that amazing. was super good. Yeah, and top it off with the mudslide. I think it's called the sweet and spicy. Yep. I think you're 100% right. Oh, man, now I'm getting hungry. Yeah, that was uh, good. So I think I, I'm going to have to get the guys at the store. To, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go pull, full. If I pull this off, I'm going to go full prima donna. And have <laughs> full like, prima donna. <laughs> full, like full. I am so important that I want a pizza waiting <laughs> for me when I drive through, placed in my window, and then move on. Like, yeah. So maybe I'm not going to do that because it sounds uh, obnoxious. Yeah. That pizza is, is so good. Uh, all right, David, uh, we have a lot to talk to you about with, with this series. And uh, we, Gordon and I were just chatting about uh, Mike Conley coming back. Uh, talk about what that does for them offensively and what we might see differently defensively. Well, I mean, if the Jazz were going to win this series when it started, I thought they would win the series because of the fact that they had three pick-and-roll ball handlers. Denver, with their injuries, doesn't don't have enough good defenders. And so the Jazz could go hunt whatever matchup they want. Um, I still believe that to be true. Like, I, I thought it was bizarre yesterday. Like, we won one game, and now all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, what happens if Mike Conley comes back? Like, well, we lost the first game, and we've lost these guys four out of five times we've played them. So maybe having Mike Conley and all of our resources will be that we have available to us would be good. Um so I think, you know, Mike will be really helpful. The other thing is, there, you know, Donovan will have the ball in his hands. And, you know, when they double-team Donovan and we swing the ball, Mike Conley's sitting in the corner. You know, a year ago, Mike Conley was, I believe, in the 99th percentile of open three-point shooters in the NBA. 
This year he's in like the 86th percentile. And I'll bet you if we started to break it down from like what he was open from certain dates and kind of went and looked at it from that matter, we we would find that he was pretty darn good later in the season. So you, you give Mike Conley an open three and you're the Denver Nuggets, that's not a good that's not a good combination for you. This year on unguarded catch and shoots, Mike Conley's effective field goal percentage was sixty four percent. Sixty four percent. So effective field goal percent, by the way, is what you if you shot a two, what it you know, what all shots would be. Um if you go to last year with Mike Conley and and he takes an an open catch and shoot three, basically an unguarded uh, sh- uh, shot, he was 76% effective field goal percentage. Okay? Like, those are those are great shots. If we can get Mike, you know, if Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell are running a pick and roll instead of swinging to Emmanuel Moutier, we're swinging to Juwan Morgan, we're swinging to Mike Conley, the number one offense in the NBA since December 24th just got better. And I think that that's, that's what we're talking about here. Um, the other one is Denver's defense was awful yesterday, just awful. And the more I watched it, the worse it got um, as I rewatched the game this morning. They're going to be better defensively. They're a better team. They have more pride. They're going to watch that film. It's going to – they just – I don't know what happened. I think they made adjustments and they got caught in the middle of the adjustments and they just weren't – they didn't have any impact on things. They kind of – with a – tepid double team that wasn't really a double team and then a sort of fast like it just wasn't right it's not who they are um they're not a great defensive team but they're better than that and so you're gonna see them impact the ball tomorrow and they're gonna force the ball out of donovan's hands like they were like sending a soft double team and donovan could get rid of it easily and then we'd move it everywhere they're not gonna let that happen so when they don't let that happen you you're going to need to have some answers from a pick and roll standpoint or other standpoints. And one thing you can do with Mike at the ball is basically have Rudy go set a pick on the baseline for Donovan. And then Conley hits Donovan at the right moment. It's basically a pick and roll the corner, but there's no, nobody there. They can bring the double team. You go double team it at that point, And Mike Conley is there. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's just lobbing up to Rudy for a dunk. Um, or if they're bringing somebody from the weak side, then there's going to be somebody else wide open. So there's some things where having another ball handler in the game could be very important for the Jazz. And then for the season, by the way, I haven't looked at it for the series, but for the season, we were very good when Mike Conley was on the floor and when Joe Ingles was, were on the floor, but we were not, you know, for the year, and I'll take that as a much bigger sample size, we were not very good when, when Donovan was on the floor without one of these guys. That that was not a good combination for us. So getting Mike Conley back is, if in fact he gets all this negative tests in time, uh, is is certainly a, an added bonus for the Jazz. So David, everyone who saw game game one and Donovan Mitchell's spectacular fifty seven points took note of it, but I want to ask you about game two. Okay, so Denver's playing some confused soft defense, but will you break down Donovan's brilliance in game two? Well, he just made the right reads the whole game, which he actually did in the in the first game. And and I, you know, I said it too. Like, gosh, was game two is game one is a historical performance. It's better than game two. Like, I know we're all trying to be like intellectual about the game. Like, the fifty sevens real. Like, just like, <laughs> like 
you know, like I, I, I watched, like I kind of said it too on the air and then I watched it like go through Twitter last night and I was like, okay, come on people. Um, like we're all, we all got to stop. Like 57 has been done twice before in the history of the game. Like that's a, that's a historic night. Um, but what he did do and he was incredibly efficient is he picked his spots. He moved the basketball when he needed to, um, Denver made it really easy on him. Not like, Honestly, I just watched when I rewatched the game. I thought we were great. Our third quarter was like offensive perfection. I think our offensive rating, like when Donovan was on the floor, might have been more than 200 when in the second quarter, or excuse me, in the third quarter. So, but they were just so bad. Like, I mean, it was just bad. Like, Donovan made the right reads, but the right reads weren't particularly difficult. And then Quinn actually did some, there was a three play sequence in the third. Did. David, did we lose you? We must have uh, lost David Locke there. Uh, we'll try and get David back. Operator In fact, for David. Nope, nope. That was that would be the operator. That did not sound like David. Uh, you know, if if what he said is true, that Denver really was so soft and weak defensively, you have to ask your, yourself why. Why would they, they do that? Well, I, I'm not to. Well, I agree. There, but they're capable of playing better defense than they did in game two i mean they got blown out in game two so yeah they're capable of playing better than that but i i don't i don't know in fact david uh want you to to clarify or, or talk about your point continue what you were saying about donovan mitchell i thought donovan was really good and he made the right reads and he got you know and he's shooting the ball like he's shooting at a hula hoop right now i mean it's just incredible um, but there was a three-play sequence in the third quarter and i actually will try to tweet out the three plays in a row where Quinn Snyder, I just thought, like, put the dagger down on Denver's defense. And I'm going to try to play Mike Fratello, czar of the Telestrator on the radio, which usually causes accidents on I-15 when people fall asleep or can't understand it. So, like, stop me, Jake, when this gets ridiculous. But So the first thing was when the Jazz would go and try to get a switch. And when you run what's called a guard-to-guard pick-and-roll, so two smaller players, the rule across the league is you just switch it because there's no reason to get picked off. So the Jazz were doing that to get Torrey Craig off Donovan and get anybody else guarding Donovan. So when they did that, Torrey Craig would, like, not really leave. He wouldn't really stay, but he wouldn't really leave, which is just not great, right? Like, this is where they're going to make a change. They're either going to switch or they're going to double Donovan. But they were doing, like, a little bit of each. It was like... It was like pumping your gas with 89 because you're not sure if 92 or 87 is actually right. So you just take the cop out. You do the middle. And, it, and, and so Donovan would – so one of the first times it happened in, early in the game, the first time they did it, Joe Ingles then just kind of went away from Torrey Craig, who he, Craig was supposed to be guarding at this point, pretty far. And Donovan just hit him for a wide-open three. And it just like, bust, like it was that easy to bust their defense because Torrey Craig was having no impact at all. Then the, the next later in the game, they ran it, and then they started what Quinn started doing in the third quarter is bringing Rudy Gobert into the play. So now the Jazz would run the switch and right into a pick and roll. Well, then that gets tricky because the guy who just switched on to Donovan now is supposed to be guarding Donovan and Jokic, and by setting another pick, Jokic would be the next guy up, but Jokic wants to stay back, so Donovan just walked into wide-open threes. Exactly what he was supposed to. So there's an example when talking about Reed. The first time he made the read and he threw it to Joe Ingles. The second time. Then the Jazz ran a play in which Rudy looks like he's coming up to set a pick on the ball the same way, and he actually set the back pick on Torrey Craig because Torrey Craig is kind of hovering near Donovan, 
And so Joe Ingles ends up wide open for a three. And that three-play sequence was just like, it's like, it's over. Like Ron literally on the air goes, oh, they figured them out. Like it was something else. Um, and it, it, you just can't be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's kind of being like sort of pregnant. So the Jazz are not going to see that from Denver. They're, Denver's going to do a better job than that tomorrow, and it's going to their defense is going to be active and impactful. And the Jazz, if they're doubling Donovan, they're going to get off the ball, and then having another ball handler like Mike Conley is going to be really important and awesome. Um, but on the other end, if they, you know, they may go back to the defense they played in Game One. Well, speaking of that, what did they do differently against Jamal Murray in game two, David, if anything? Maybe he just had an off game. So they did a little bit differently, but that would be the area where I would say I don't feel as though the Jazz have actually solved Denver yet in this series. And, and you know, I don't mean to be the guy tempering the optimism, but I do think, like, you can get caught by recency bias. This is still going to be a really hard series. It's in no way, shape, or form over just because the Jazz had a good day, I think. If I'm Denver, I would be most concerned about the fact that I'm shooting 52% from three, and there's no chance that that's going to last, and they're one and one in the series. But if you go back to game one on the Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll, they ran that pick-and-roll 13 times in the first three quarters of the game, and they only scored four times in the first 13. This is game one. They scored four of the first 13 times they ran it in game one. They then promptly ran it 14 times, for the fourth quarter in the overtime, and they scored on 10 of 14. They only ran it 11 times in the first three quarters yesterday while the game mattered. And they scored a few times. But they they run it differently later in the game. And they run it with a little bit more juice later in the game. And they run it on the run. So Jamal Murray's coming on in full stride when he hits that pick and roll late in the game. Many of the pick and rolls the other day were static. When he's been static, sitting still... And that pick then comes up to set, and then he's got to start his action. They have not scored yet. So that's what the Jazz did well, is that Royce O'Neal was into him and bodying him and getting him to be static. But he also didn't run it the same way he ran it to close the game the other night and in game one. And if that game was close, I, I suspect we would see it. So I'm not confident, or I, I wouldn't say that. I haven't seen anything from rewatching the film and running the data that says that we've solved the Murray-Jokic pick. Well, in fact, their offensive rating was close to 120 yesterday, somewhat because of their fourth quarter, but it was still like a 113-114 through three quarters. So we have not stopped them yet at all. So, David, I know these things depend on matchups and whatnot, but when the Jazz have the ball and they're hunting for a defender, other than Michael Porter Jr., who, who do you think is the most vulnerable? Anyone but Torrey Craig? So they're just not that good individually defending. Well, they're missing two of their top six players. Yeah. Like, I know we are missing Boyan and Mike Conley, and that's real. Like, but they're missing Will Barton and Gary Harris, who start for them. Now, maybe with Michael Porter Jr. they wouldn't start, but I think they might. I think Paul Millsap might not start, and Michael Porter Jr. would start. Michael Porter Jr. is a terrible defense player. But Jamal Murray, Donovan scored every single time he's been guarded by Jamal Murray. Or every single time he's taken a shot, he's been it's gone in when guarded. He's scoring at will on on Jokic on a switch. He's scoring at will. Um, Jeremy Grant, who's kind of their next answer, and this is where they really miss Gary Harris and Will Barton. Is Jeremy Grant a six eight power forward? He's not guarding people on the floor very often or guarding pick and rolls, and so he's not very good at it. 
he's a good defensive player, but he's not very good at that. And so he, he's being kind of beat up and torched as well. So, I mean, the fact is I would say that they they don't have that player um, – uh, and and that's where they Gary Harris is their next best defensive player. If he comes back in the series, it'll be a big deal. Will Barton's out of the bubble, so I think that's unlikely. Um, and one note: Denver's minus three point five per hundred possessions this year with lineups that don't have Gary Harris or Will Barton in them. Huh. I mean, there's a chance that as good as Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are, and as much as Michael Porter Jr. is emerging, can we please put a body on him? Thank you. Um, that maybe Denver's not very good. David Locke is without, with us. Not, without oh, Will sorry, Barton and Gary Harris. Sorry, without Will Barton and Gary Harris. And, and just a, a little clarity, David, we know Will Barton left the bubble, so I would guess that would make it unlikely for him to return, especially when he's going out there to get a second opinion. Are you hearing anything about Gary Harris and his availability in the series? I'm not. He is just, I mean, the only thing is that he just hasn't, he hasn't played a game. He hasn't played yet. It's not like yeah. he played any of the scrimmages and then, got ready and came back. I don't, um, you know, Mike Malone um, seemed to leave um, today and uh, I thought his comments, um, you know, said he's getting in a good place mentally and physically and it would be great to get him back at some point in this series. So it seemed as though that was, you know, a possibility. He's got a right hip strain. Um, and then I think he said he's getting closer. Um and he, you know, he's not playing in game three. So, he, you know, he's making, you know, it sounded like there's a chance he could return in the series. I thought it was interesting what Mike Malone said. It echoed exactly what you just said, essentially, David, that uh, that the Nuggets were way off their game, especially defensively. But did you hear his comment when he said that you can go ahead and give them all the credit? I'm paraphrasing here. You can give them all the credit you want and say that, hey, uh, they are superior to us, but he said, I ain't buying it. You know, he was very angry with the way that thing came together yesterday. Um, you mean after the game? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what coaches are supposed to say in that circumstance. Um, like, I heard the, that interview. I mean, like, he, you know, he just kind of, they put Royce O'Neal on, Jamal Murray and I mean they were just Denver Denver just wasn't very good yesterday. I mean the game was tied at forty three, so it's not like it wasn't like they were bad the whole time. The Jazz just had great energy and made a bunch of great plays and then, you know I mean I here's what's really interesting in where the series sits right now. And this is probably why he was a little grumpy. They won game one, made a significant defensive adjustment, even though they won game one because of Donovan's fifty seven, and it didn't work. Like, that's a big deal. Well, David, we appreciate your work as always. Thanks for jumping on with us, and uh, we'll look forward to the broadcast coming up tomorrow. I appreciate you guys. I hope all is well in your worlds, and um, we'll figure out how I can get beat. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck, David. Thank you very much. See ya. Our friend, our friend David Locke, uh, broadcast uh, tip-off will be at 2 o'clock tomorrow, 1 o'clock pregame here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.